Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. So what I want to do today, we are in part four of the energy series. We're going to conclude it next week. Do not miss next week. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of vision. We have some incredible things happening May, June, and July. I don't want you to miss. In fact, the weekly update this week, um, you know, sometimes I know people like to just look at the weekly update quick and delete it, or maybe you don't even look. That's okay. But this week, make sure you get a chance to look at it. I don't want you to miss uh, what's in there. So please have a look at that. Um, here's the deal. We are in the fourth week of energy, and uh, my prayer is that God would just be your energy through this series. We started looking at burnout, and then we looked at rest when Pastor Steve Nyland from Motion City Church came in and spoke, and then I continued that last week by talking about what does it mean um, to celebrate a Sabbath? What does it really mean to rest? What does that look like and how God really wants to rejuvenate us? Today what I want to do, um, using these characters from Winnie the Pooh. Now for those of you that aren't familiar with Winnie the Pooh, don't it's, it's all good. There's multiple characters within uh, this story. And, some, and it comes out of the United Kingdom is where Winnie the Pooh was first originated. You have, you know, Winnie the Pooh, obviously. And he is the, he's the lead character, but sometimes takes a back role. But Winnie's personality is always friendly. He's slow-witted, but he's usually pretty decent and, you know, helps his friends get things done. His friend is Piglet, is one of his closest friends. And Piglet, who likes Piglet? Is that your favorite little Piglet? You know, little pink? And he's... He's just a little weird to me, um, but he's kind of fearful, and he's kind of, you know, awkwardly shy about doing stuff, but then he goes through and he does it, and then you have, and I never put this together until like a few years ago, you have two different characters, and if you put their names together, it's the name of an animal. You have Kanga and Roo. You know it took me like 12 years to realize together that's Kangaroo. I'm a little slow, all right? Just like Pooh Bear, slow-witted. And so you had Kangaroo, and Kanga is, is this awesome mom, very responsible, and Roo is like, you know, kind of like a mini Tigger in some respects, just wanting to adventure out um, on his own and, and do that. Then you've got Rabbit, who is, you know, always has a piece of her mind, or a piece of his mind. And uh, then you've got Owl, and Owl is the wise mentor, going to, you know, tell everybody everything, and, you know, what you're going to do and how it's going to go, and, and that's Owl. And then you've got over here, now this is a little bit of an oxymoron this morning, because this is an Eeyore plush doll with a smiley face. Okay? It's a little awkward. It kind of creeps me out a little bit. Um, but you have two, and I think sometimes what we do is we're going along in life like Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes we're just one step at a time. And then we get to this place where we get our Eeyore on, okay? Where, woe is me, looks like rain. You know, and, and you build the, the house of sticks that always falls down on him, you know? It, what's his famous, his famous line? Thanks for noticing, you know? And anybody know anybody like that? Don't raise your hand, but... You know, we know people like that, and what we're like, I don't want to hang with you, bro. <laughs> Come out of here. You know, because it just sometimes brings you down. And so what I want to talk today is about this. Sometimes we all deal or can think through one of these characteristics in Winnie the Pooh, and we can relate to at least one of them, maybe two of them, if you think about who you are. Um, sometimes, though, and this is where I want to go today with this message, and this is my new favorite, like, tagline of, of all, so... Um, it's just awesome. Tagline this, I, I love this, is learn to muzzle your Eeyore. Okay? 
If you don't know, my kids were asking, what's a muzzle? I just said it's like duct tape, but, uh, you know, you put a muzzle on so they can't talk anymore, can't say anything. Muzzle your Eeyore. Don't let the Eeyore, like, talk through. Don't, don't let that be. And, and so what we're going to talk about is how sometimes we get to that place where it's, it's depression, it's, it's oppression, we feel down, and, and we don't know how to get back up. You know, we talk about burnout, and, and sometimes if we don't rest, we can get to this place of depression. And so sometimes we've got to muzzle our Eeyore. Um, a few years ago, some of you know this story, the youth know this story, I shared this with them on a Wednesday night, uh, but a few years ago, I was having what I would call an Eeyore day. Have you ever had an Eeyore day? Who here's had an Eeyore day? Okay, all right, if you haven't, this message is to prep you, I'm guessing. Okay, and so we had an Eeyore day, I had an Eeyore day, my wife and I, everything was great, everything was wonderful. And then we started fighting. Believe it or not, my wife and I, on some, some occasions, we get into arguments. I know that doesn't happen with your spouse, just me and mine. And so we, we started fighting, and we got, got in this big argument. I don't even remember what it was about. I have no idea. I think it was about, like, the size of pizza cutter you should use or something. And so we, we end up leaving, and, and I was like, I just need time to myself. If you're a guy, and sometimes even ladies, you're like, I just want my own time. I need some me time. Get me out of here. I need to remove myself from the situation and get healed. And so I'm like, I'm leaving for a little bit. I'll be back later. And things were happening at church. We were going through some crazy transitions. I was a youth pastor at the time. And so my drug of choice, as you know, is fishing, okay? Not not like marijuana, not, nothing crazy, but just fishing. That's my drug, okay? And so I have, if you've come with me, I have a little 14-foot Alumacraft or not aluminum, it's aluminum boat, it's not aluminum craft, and, uh, and, and so I have this little five-horse motor on it, and at this time we lived less than two miles away from Lake Minnetonka. Think about it, 14-foot aluminum boat, Lake Minnetonka. All right, all right, well, we tried it, okay? We tried it, and so uh, that day I was like, I just need to go fishing, I've caught some big bass in, in Gray's Bay, and so that's where I'm going to go. So I launched the boat into Gray's Bay, the boat goes out, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm trying to start the motor as the wind is pushing me away from the launch, and I cannot get this stupid motor started. I just, it will not start over and over, and I even got, like, spray carburetor stuff in there. You know, I'm trying to work that. It's not working, and so I'm floating across Gray's Bay on Lake Minnetonka, and finally I'm like, I've got to figure out a way to get back to the launch, or I'm going to be at the other side of this bay, and it's a huge bay. And so I get my paddles, and they have oar locks on them because it's somewhat of a rowboat, I put them in each oar lock, and I start paddling back as hard as I can into this headwind. No joke. This was like Eeyore Day that got worse. And as I'm paddling, one of the oar locks explodes. Like it just just shatters into a million pieces. And so if you've ever been in a rowboat, it's a little different than canoe paddle. So I take out the, the oar that's from like the 60s, and I'm standing like one of those guys in Italy, you know, and I'm trying to like move the boat along. And, and it's not going anywhere. I'm just like doing circles and I, the wind's pushing me. And I was getting mad. So finally I'm like, I give, I give. And I sat there and I had this like Eeyore moment with God. And, and finally I'm like, I'm just going to call my wife. I just want to talk to her. And I call her up and we start fighting even more. This was the, the days of flip phones. You remember those? Um, you know, it flipped open on the bottom and you had to close it. And so I start talking to her. I got so mad. I take my flip phone. It's the last day of my flip phone ever. And uh, I took it, slammed it on the bottom of the boat, and I was like, ah, oh, I was just, I was done. I probably said things I shouldn't have said, and this was, that was that ER day. And then I just broke down. I got depressed. I was like, this, this is just, I'm trying, God, and I finally had it out with God. I'm like, God, I am out here trying to connect with you because I'm having a bad day. You've been there, right? Some of us have been there. And so finally, you think the day would get better. Then it became humility time. I love humility. And, uh especially when you don't ask for it, and this huge, ginormous 
boat, yacht, it's probably worth three quarters of a million dollars on Lake Minnetonka, comes by and these people are partying, they're having fun, and, and, and they stop and they look at me and I'm going, if this is not the boat I want to tow me back to the launch. This is just embarrassing. And they, they get, dude, you need some help? Yeah, you know, so he gets this like rope, he throws down, and so you should, I wish you could have saw it. You've got this huge yacht, and here I am in the bat, just holding onto the rope in this little, little dinghy, just bringing me up to shore. I'm like, great, that's awesome. And so it was like my Eeyore day became even more Eeyore-ish, if that's a word. Here's what I want to say. I want to talk to you specifically about depression this morning, okay? I want to talk to you about what, what does it mean when we go through stuff like that. Now, before I jump in here, I have to be very, very, very careful with this message this morning. And I want to give a quick word about those that have dealt with clinical depression. Um, I, and be careful if you go to your physician. I, I made this mistake. After that day, after boating and that, that just day from you know where, the next day I had a physical with my doctor. And I go into my physical, and maybe you've been there. If you had a physical, they give you first an emotional test, and you have to answer these 10 questions. And the first question on there is, you know, have you considered taking your life in the last day? And I'm like, yeah. You know, and the question two is, uh, you know, do you, do you still like to do what you used to do? I'm like, no, not at all. Don't ever want to fish again. You know, and they're, li- and I'm listening at like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm having an Eeyore day, you know, Eeyore week. And what I realized is if you're with your physician and you fill it out that way for the rest of your life, for the last 10 years, every time I'm in there, how are you dealing with your depression, Mr. Vincent? Great. I, that was one day 10 years ago. I think we're doing all right, but appreciate you asking. Okay, but here's the deal. Many of us, my family, you can ask Troy. We have uh, a huge history of clinical depression in the Vincent uh, heritage in the past. Um, it's a real thing. It's not something that is just fake. It's, it can be clinical. And so I'm not saying today that this message or, or learning how to muzzle your Eeyore is going to necessarily take care of that. At the same time, I believe God can do anything, and God can do a miracle in your heart, in your body. But please, please, Refer back to a physician, okay, to give us accountability for the miracle. We don't want to just say, ah, I was healed from depression today. God healed me, and then we walk out of here and we deal with it the next day. God wants, we, we want to make sure it's a legit miracle. So, you know, talk to a doctor, talk to a physician, um, if that's something you're dealing with. Um, depression affects, ready for this? 19 million people in America every year. 19 million. 19 million. One-fourth of all women and one-eighth of all men will suffer at least one episode or occurrence of depression during their lifetimes. Okay, now, maybe you're not one of the eight, you know, guys. Maybe you're not one of the four ladies. But I guarantee you know somebody who is or who has dealt with it. Um, According to this study by Minrith and Mariri, two psychologists, um, those that suffer from depression will actually try to fight the battle on their own. See, what happens in church a lot of times is we think, kind of like Eeyore over here, we think, I just got to put the smile on, even though you are dying on the inside. That's not church. That becomes fake church. We're not really who we really are then, okay? And so I'm saying this needs to be a place where we're hand in hand, shoulder in shoulder, going, that's what I'm dealing with, man. This is where I need help. I need you to walk hand in hand with me. Help me with this. Walk alongside with me. Otherwise, if you try to deal with this on your own, Depression will completely deplete you of all energy. It'll, it'll just, it'll rip you apart. I, I found this, this great illustration. Um, it's from over 150 years ago. In 1835, a man visited a doctor in Florence. I love this. A man visited a doctor in Florence, Italy. He was filled with anxiety 
and exhausted from lack of sleep. He couldn't eat, and he avoided his friends. The doctor examined him and found that he was in prime physical condition. And so concluding that his patient just needed to have a good time, the physician told him about a circus in town and a star performer, a clown named Grimaldi. Now, first of all, I hate clowns. Anybody agree with me on that? Crowds freak me out, man. Okay? Especially clowns named Grimaldi. Are you kidding me? That, that's like, you're going to have nightmares. That's like an evil clown named Grimaldi. You know? All right? Night after night, he had people rolling in the aisles. You got to go. You got to see him, the doctor advised. Grimaldi's the world's funniest clown. He'll make you laugh and cure your sadness. Finally, the despairing man said, no, he can't help me, you see. I am Grimaldi. So here's the deal. It's sad. It's true. There's a lot of truth here. What happens? We can't do it on our own. And so we want to connect with each other. We want to connect with God. And don't think, well, man, I'm dealing with depression. I don't want anybody to know. This is a safe place, man. You can share in this church. That's one of the strong points of the Bridge Church. What I find interesting is this. God gives us a case study for clinical depression. We've already looked at it in 1 Kings chapter 19. We've already unpacked the story of Elijah. And just to get you caught up to speed, if you've missed the last couple times, um, what happened is Elijah performed this incredible miracle. You can read about it or listen about it sometime. And then after he saw God's miraculous hand of victory, he ran. He fled for his life because uh, Jezebel and, and the king were trying to kill him. And he finally got to a place where he, he came to the Mount Horeb and he said, God, I'm done. That, and that's where we kind of pick up the story here. Go ahead, Isaac. Toss it up on the screen. Read with me. Here we go. First Kings chapter 19, 3 through 5, and then verse 10. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Well, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush or, or a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. That's an Eeyore day. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush or under the tree, and he fell asleep. Go to verse 10. I am the, it's the last part of verse 10. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It was a, woe is me, looks like rain. This is where he was, though. He saw God do these incredible miracles, and he got to a place where he's like, God, I'm done. I'm just done. I, I just, I want my life to be done. He, he had it. He was spent, okay? For those that have dealt with depression, we've been there. We understand that. And so we see here, if you go back a slide, Isaac, in verse 3, verse 3, he was afraid. Okay, so one aspect of depression is fear. He was afraid. He ran for his life. And then what did he have? He had suicidal tendencies, okay? He prayed that he would die. He felt that he was not better than anyone else. Now, now we gotta give, we gotta give some kudos to Eeyore, my man Eeyore this morning, okay? Here's why. I think he even rattles. Wow. Eeyore, okay? He never got to suicide. Thank you, Eeyore. Okay? He never got there. Even though he was depressed, he always went on adventures with his friends, even if he didn't want to. You know, he would go along. Like in the video, we see Tigger, you know, taping on the slinky on his behind, you know? Like, you're coming with, buddy. You're coming with. And so he never gave up. And so, you know, these thoughts of, man, it's just me. Not good. Not good. Feels of tiredness. Verse 5. says he laid down... And he fell asleep. He was, he was exhausted. He was just spent. And then the last one in verse 10, feelings of rejection. He felt that he was the only prophet left. Scholars say, if you study it out on your own, if you Google sometime, 
Elijah, some scholars say, experienced depression for two months straight, over 40 days that he was dealing with this depression. And so here's the deal. This is one of God's most dynamic servants that we read of in the Old Testament. There's only two people in the Old Testament that never die. You have Enoch, it says he walked with God and was no more. And then you've got Elijah. Okay, Elijah was a man after God's heart, just like David was. Elijah followed God. He was a prophet of God, and that said later on he was taken into heaven on a chariot of fire. That was Elijah. And so he was this man after God. Okay, he was a prophet, and so he wanted to do God's will. That's what he wanted, but he was done. He was depressed, and so he had to learn how to muzzle his Eeyore. Here's what I want to say, though. The most dynamic of one of the servants in all of the Bible suffered from depression. So here's the deal. Depression is not necessarily a lack of faith. It's not necessarily a mark of an immoral lifestyle. It's not necessarily a character flaw. It's something that we deal with and we've seen. Okay, but here's the the best part of the story. God did not leave him there. He didn't just say, oh, sorry, man, good luck. He said, no, I want to do something in your life. And so God meets him where he's at. We say this all the time, but he left, he, he loved him enough not to leave him there. And so he did a few things. Verse 8, 1 Kings 19. So he got up, he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. I, the reason I bring this up is this is what he did before he got here to this mountaintop experience with God. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Why is that important? If you read through the Bible... For those of you that like to go deep and look at, you know, reasons behind numbers in the Bible and all of that, anytime that you read the number 40 within the Bible, it's always about sifting or it's always about a test of some sort, the number 40, every single time. You know, we read about the Israelites. They were in the desert for how long? 40 years, okay? Jesus was out in the desert. He was being, he was fasting and he was being tempted by Satan for how long? 40 days, okay? We see this over and over. How long did it rain? You know, after Noah had built the ark, how long did it rain for? 40 days. Okay, we see this over and over. Every single time with Noah, with the Israelites, with Christ, and with Elijah, every time it's getting their hearts right with God. That's what he's trying to do. Every single time it's this sifting period where he's aligning man's heart with God's heart. That's what he is doing. He traveled up here. He gets up to this mountain. He says, God, I just want to be done. And yet God did some cool things in his life. Some incredible things. There's three of them that he did that I want to give you this morning. The first is this. The first thing he did is God sent him to church. I'm like, I didn't read that, Chris. <laughs> God sent him to church. Here, here's how we know this. He was at Mount Horeb. For those of you that like Bible history here, Mount Horeb is the exact same mountain where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments or the law. This is that, that like place where they connected heart to heart with God. And so here we find Elijah on Mount Horeb. He was in this place to connect with God. Now the difference is we have each other. We're the church. And so not only should we want to be connecting with God, we should want to connect with each other. Um, you have to go to church when you're dealing with depression. It's, it's the best place. I, I want to give you an example here why. Um, a lot of times I'll meet people that'll say, why well, I, I can't come to church uh, because you don't know my whole story. Or, I, I can't come in the doors because, man, if you knew what I did, you, you know, lightning bolt's going to strike me down. You know, or hell's going to swallow me up. I've heard it all. And I'm going, no, that's not it. You see, God wants to meet us where we're at. And us as the church, we're to do life together, hand in hand. We're to go, hey, let's help you with that. You know, I get some people, 
and this is unfortunate, it breaks my heart. They say, you know what? One of the churches we were part of, we shared that, you know, my, my wife and I were getting a divorce and the church no longer supported us. Or they took one side or the other. My heart breaks because that's the moment that that couple needs the church more than any other time. We need to be the church, not just do the church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this. It says, we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is easy, man. It's belief in Him. We receive eternal life. His law is to love one another. That's the law. He says all of that law is built on, the pro- or all of the prophets is built on that law, loving one another and loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So number one, you got to be a part of the church, man. Here, to, and, and we pray that the bridge is a place that's encouraging, it's life-giving, that you can share with somebody, man, I am dealing with depression. And we're not going to say, Dude, that sucks. <laughs> no, we want to help you with that. Can we walk alongside? You know, and we'll, we'll close with talking what to do there. Number two is this. God had Elijah tell him what the problem was. Okay, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 13, God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Is it because God didn't know? No, God knows everything. So why would God ask him, Elijah, what are you doing here? In fact, he asked the same question Twice, what are you doing here? Of course God knew, he understood it, but he sent Elijah to this mountain. Elijah needed to vocalize what was wrong in life, okay? Elijah needed to explain what he thought the problem was, and then once Elijah verbalized his belief of what was wrong, then God could muzzle his eeyore. Not before that. He had to speak it out to God. Sometimes us, and I'm I'm good at this, we put on the, the face, okay, and we pretend like everything is okay. You know, we're stoic. Some ladies and some guys are really good at being stoic, where you have no idea what's going on the inside because we cover it up really, really well. Really well. Number three is this. After he shared, God was able to deal with his false beliefs, his false ideas that were fueling Elijah's depression. See, Jesus said this, we hear it all the time. Jesus said, the truth shall what? Set you free. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because the false ideas, the false beliefs, specifically false ideas about God, they've had power to put us in bondage. We end up living them as if they're truth when it's really not. And so when we verbalize, go, God, this is the problem. This is what I see. God, there's no other prophets. I'm the only one left. Lord, help. Then God can say, all right, let's deal with that false belief. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. And even the strongest men and women of God can go through with this. Elijah thought God wasn't doing anything. Sometimes we bring our problems to God. I don't know about you, but this happens to me. You go up to God and we pray and we pour out. We share what's going on with God and then we wait. And we wait. And we wait. And we're like, okay, God, I've been praying for two years about X, Y, Z. I'm not seeing anything happen. And so we start doubting. We start going, I don't see you in this, God. And that's what happened to Elijah here. He thought God wasn't doing anything. Not only for a year or two. He thought he was it. He thought he was the last prophet alive. But check this out. We'll put this screen on the, or this scripture on the screen for you. First Kings 19, 18. God reveals something amazing. It says, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. 7,000? He wasn't alone. God's talking about prophets here, not just people. He's saying, you're not, there's 7,001, buddy. Prophets of God that are so pure of heart. And that want to serve me. So he's 
basically saying, thank you for sharing your beliefs. You're in this together. Let's go do church together. So let's bring this all together. Here's the deal. When a person is depressed, and either it's you or somebody you know, they don't think God is doing much of anything a lot of times. Either it's from burnout, it's from praying and not receiving the answer we want. They have no hope, no confidence, and God isn't easily seen by them. And so a person in depression needs to realize, just like Elijah, that God is working in their lives even when they can't see him. So how do we do that? What's the, what's the practical side of this? Well, what I want to do is give you this, because there are a few things, if you've ever suffered from depression or if you know somebody that has, there, there are a few things that we can say to somebody who's dealt with depression that will literally destroy or damage them. Okay? We've got to be very careful. This is a, this is a very delicate topic. Um, and so here's just a few things not to say to somebody who's dealt or dealing with depression. Don't, don't say these things. And if you want me to text these or, or send these to you, let me know. I don't have them on the screen. Uh, you just need to give yourself a kick in the rear. Let me know how that goes for you. No one ever said life was fair. Again, these are things not to say to somebody who's depressed. There are a lot of people worse off than you, buddy. Well, everyone gets depressed sometimes. Maybe you should take vitamins for your stress. Let me know how that one goes. You need a hobby. Man, just pull yourself together. Just try a little harder. You have no reason to feel this way. You'll be okay. Just hang in there. It will pass. You don't like feeling that way, so change it. You have it so good. Why aren't you happy? I thought you were stronger than that. Come on, snap out of it, will you? That's my favorite. You know, you're dealing with somebody, you go share with somebody, man, I just, I just need your help with, with this in my life. And they're like, you just need to change it. Thanks. That's what we're working on. Just rather say these things. Say to somebody, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You're not alone in this. This is not your fault. I will go with you. What can I do for you? What kind of thoughts are you having? Let them speak. And the last thing you can do, nothing at all. Sometimes nothing is more than trying to do something, especially with somebody who's dealing or has dealt with depression. The only way to muzzle your Eeyore, I love that, muzzle your Eeyore. The only way to muzzle your Eeyore is by knowing who you are in Christ. You've got to understand who you are in Jesus. So I want you to hear these. These are I am statements of who I am in Christ. I have scripture references. If you'd like these two, I can send them to you. I don't have them for the screen this morning. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm a child of God. I'm Jesus' friend. I'm a joint heir with Jesus, sharing his inheritance with him. I am united with God and one spirit with him. I'm a temple of God. His spirit and his life live in me. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I am redeemed and forgiven. I'm complete in Jesus Christ. I'm free from any condemnation. I'm a new creation because I'm in Christ. I'm chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I'm established, anointed, and sealed by God. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. I'm God's co-worker. I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I have direct access to God. I'm chosen to bear fruit. I'm one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. I have been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God by which I share his nature. I can always know the presence of God because he never, ever leaves me. God works in me to help me do the things he wants me to do, and I can ask God for wisdom, and he will give me what I need. 
That's who we are in Christ. That's who we are. As our team comes up here, we're going we're gonna to sing one more song here in just a moment together. But I want to close with this statement. <clears throat> you see, our anxiety or our depression, what it does, it doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Okay, It doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strengths. Okay, Our depression doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strengths. So think about that. God wants you to know who you are in Christ. He wants you to be able to muzzle your Eeyore. That's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. If you would just bow your heads. Just close your eyes. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.